All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, hot week in Knoxville, Tennessee time, hotter week in Gainesville, Florida time. Got a lot of heat right now in this studio time, whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the full crew in the house. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, Grant Ramey, who is mentioned last because he's only going to be on here one segment because that's how he rolls. You're welcome, everybody. Hope everyone out there having a good Thursday morning. Of course, you could be listening to this on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, perhaps even Saturday morning before Tennessee and Florida kick off noon Eastern on Saturday in the swamp. We will all be down there for what is often Tennessee's bloodletting in North Florida. Fellas, how we how we doing today? How we doing today? Having a good having a good day? I was in a good mood until you started talking about bloodletting. You get way, a little, to, way to start out on a positive. You get a little squeamish? A little bit. It's actually been hotter in Knoxville than it's been in Gainesville this week. What about Saturday? Uh, Saturday's only supposed to be 87 in Gainesville. That is unusual. How about Breezy. that? Wow. Were we get, so does that mean we're still uh, going with our pack to wear shorts for the first time ever to cover a Tennessee football layer, game? I might layer up. It's not the first time ever. I, w- I wore shorts last Nobody three times cares. down there. I'll probably do whatever the I opposite. never made a pact, so I'm going to wear whatever I feel like. I'll probably do whatever the opposite of whatever Ryan says. It's probably a good idea. And, and Tennessee needs to do the exact opposite of what it usually does down there in Gainesville, Florida. The Vols uh, often finding ways, uh, rather humiliating ways, to lose football games down there, and they're expected to, to lose this one by a couple touchdowns, according to those experts in Las Vegas. But, fellas, on Wednesday night, big news for Tennessee. Not sure exactly how big, but definitely big news Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee's head football coach, did confirm that sophomore cornerback Bryce Thompson will be traveling with the team, and so will Jeremy Banks, which we expected. But Bryce Thompson is back from his suspension. He will be on the field Saturday. He will be warming up for the game Saturday. I don't know how much he will play, but I don't know why he's on the travel roster if he's not playing, fellas. Yeah, I mean, in the SEC, for road games, you get 70. Uh, You you can bring 70. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why if you weren't going to play a guy, you would have him use one of those spots. No, not, that, not that you'll play all and, unless, guys, he, unless he's a backup quarterback or backup kick or something yeah. like that, you're probably going to play. Well, and, or, or if it's a game-time decision with, like, an injury or something, you know, you're going to take a guy like that. And that you, sometimes you have to take a risk. But this doesn't seem like one of those risks you would take because you're probably going to know or, or just know that it's not going to happen, you know. One way or the other, you should know. Yeah, and, and Wes, you and I watched the the defense, you know, the defensive backs in the secondary in practice on Wednesday, and we were both like, uh, "Yeah, he's playing." <laughs> I mean, they they yeah. kind of, um, and, and I know I think somebody put out there on Twitter that oh he was with the ones. I think everybody that they're going to travel was out there going through those reps. They had like three guys lined up at one safety spot. Yep, including and, Brandon Davis, who doesn't play much ever. Yeah, he had a scout team jersey on. I think I, I think I think I made the joke to you, Wes, uh, that. If they were able to play with that many guys on the field at one time, their chances of winning would go way up. Yeah, they that, that would be better than Tennessee's uh, five four four defense deployed against LSU a couple years uh, ago. Yeah, Kenneth George was on the same side with yeah, Thompson. Yeah, so he yeah it, uh, Bryce Thompson and Kenneth George were paired up on one at one cornerback spot, and on the other side it was uh, Warren Braille and Alante Taylor. So uh, I don't know. He he certainly looks like a guy that's going to play Pruitt. I think 
after sort of letting the cat out of the bag about him traveling, sort of well, kind of downplayed a little bit, said, yeah, you know, he's not practice. We've seen guys pointed to Trayvon Flowers as a guy that missed some time in preseason and didn't play well against Georgia State as an example of a guy of, of, of saying that players that don't practice struggle in games. And so that's maybe his suggestion why uh, Thompson may not start or may not play a whole lot just based on the fact that he missed almost, I guess, three weeks of practice, two and a half or so. So, And he's only been back for uh, going on a week now. Yeah, and he made the point, which I, I thought was interesting and, and probably a pretty fair point, that we said going into the season that, that he was really high on Trayvon Flowers. You could just kind of tell the way he talked about him. He felt like that that sophomore safety was was maybe in line for a big season, and, and he still might be, uh, but he really did not play well early in the season. He went into it as the starter. Theo Jackson has supplanted him, and, and as far as I can see, Theo Jackson's done nothing to lose that spot. But Jeremy Pruitt said again on Wednesday, he, this was the most, I, mean, I guess, kind of assertive he's been about this situation where he said he thought in his mind going into the season and remember this is a a really good defensive backs coach one of the better defensive backs coaches in the country really good defensive mind knows everything about the secondary he he got to spend years working for Nick Saban who might be the best secondary coach at any level of football and he said he thought Trayvon Flowers could be one of the best players on this team and that's pretty strong words from a guy who doesn't use words like that very often. I mean, the way he was moving out there in preseason camp, I I thought he was going to have a great year because he looked really good, I thought. Did look physically bigger, physically yeah. better, and he was more confident. And, and that, you expect that from a guy who didn't spend a, a lot of – you know, a lot of his high school career playing football. He waited kind of until his senior year there. He was more of a baseball guy, uh, which I can understand because that's the greatest sport in the world. But this is a guy who missed some time in camp with an injury – and then he started poorly to the season, and Pruitt said that, that missing time in camp was probably a good reason for that, and he's just now starting to see him look better. So this, you know, you can't really use the transitive property too much there, but because of that, he's saying that Bryce Thompson might not be at his sharpest when he's out there. My question is this. What percentage approximately does Bryce Thompson need to be at to be one of the two best corners on this team? Well, I'm not very high. Yeah, and I think it's sort of different because it's not a situation where he's, like, coming off an injury, where it's something that, that could, oh, if he's 80% healthy, it's more of a – it's probably more of going to be of a conditioning issue or maybe an issue where maybe uh, he, he can't play 10 plays in a row or something like that. So it's not, it's not one of those deals where uh, he may be moving slower or whatever because he missed a certain amount of practice time. It's – it's it's a deal where a guy's played a lot last year. He knows this defense, um, and he he knows what his role is going to have to be. So, um, I I don't think it, it's sort of different from a situation where what percentage does he have to be at because he's not really coming off an injury. And so yeah, I guess I mean not a percentage in terms of health, but just at, at what level compared to his best does he need to be ready to play at? Maybe you know how 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 sharp does he need to be to be? I, I would say sharpness is maybe the bigger question and rust. Yeah. You know those those kind of words, but you don't really you're not gonna really know that um, if you're Tennessee until you throw him out there and see what he does. And it kind of seems like they're that's what they're gonna do. I think more than anything, they could just use a jolt from somebody because you look mm-hmm. at the DVs. I mean, who from that group have have you watched and thought? This guy's having a good year. Theo Jackson, probably right, other than right. that. That's I mean, it. And, and that's not the guy you would think. Uh, Warren Burrell was the guy that everybody talked about in camp. He's been. I thought Kenneth George had a nice game. He's been a freshman. Yeah. Kenneth George has been another guy with Theo Jackson. But I mean, Alante Taylor, Traylon Flowers, the, the likes of those guys, they could just use Bryce back just to kind of give them something, uh, kind of some energy in that defense. I do think what was interesting about Wednesday's practice was that, as Pat mentioned earlier, they had Bryce Thompson bracketed 
right there doing reps with Kenneth George, and then you have Burrell and Taylor on the other side. And I thought if you're going by the way they played the most recent game, Kenneth George played a better game than, than Burrell did. So, I, you know, maybe maybe they broke it down and they have numbers that prove that's not true. Uh, but just from the eye test, it looked to me like George played probably a, a more sound game overall. And, and Burrell has been torched quite a bit this season. And, and if Tennessee had played against some better quarterbacks who could have hit more of those passes, I think he could could have given up a lot of really big plays and obviously Taylor's been erratic all over the place he'll stick to his man like super glue for five minutes and then have a couple plays where you go wait what's he even trying to do but I thought that was interesting to me and that might be a sign that he really is serious and he says he's going to play some other guys maybe start some other guys and then Thompson gets in the game I I don't know that that's conceivable yeah but looking at it to me I kind of wonder you know, because they talk about going from from game, you know, from from play to play to play, day to day, the most consistent guy plays, but George didn't really do anything to to, you know, put himself down the pecking order. Get in the himself last game. fired. Yeah. So that that to me is interesting. Does anybody have thoughts on that? I mean, is that something that that he could do? Maybe. I I think that's possible. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy coming off a suspension. Um. So it's yeah, it's can it, it's entirely possible you you don't start him even if you even if the plan is to play him quite a bit and. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much you can read into those combinations we saw in that brief period on the on the practice field because yeah, you you could see Bryce Thompson and Elante Taylor being the starters. You could see it being Kenneth George and either Taylor or Burrell. I mean, there are a few different possibilities for how that could shake out. So I, I don't really know that we can read much into that other than to say, you know, again, it's confirmation that Bryce Thompson is part of the game plan that they they probably plan to to play him Saturday, but yeah, I don't know that we know for sure he's going to start, and, and Jeremy Pruitt's obviously been non-committal on what his role might be. I'd start him. <laughs> I'll just say it. I mean, I, I, would, I would start him. I mean, this is this is after what happened the first two weeks. If there's a lifeline out there, it's this game. I mean, if you can do something in this game, uh, if you can win this game, it changes a, a lot, obviously, over the, the how your kind of season – Outlook is after kind of the disaster that was Georgia State and the disaster that was one play against BYU, uh, I guess two plays, the, the the long pass and then the the final play of the game. But I mean, if, if there's a if there's a get out of jail free card or, or however you want to phrase it, I mean it's going to be a Florida would you, game. Would you phrase it that way in this? Actually, that's instance? a very bad choice of words. <laughs> I did not think. I'm not a smart person. You're not a dumb person. Mis- I mean, <laughs> you're, mistake, so, you're somewhere in between those two. Mistakes things. were made. I, I just I think that I I do think there is some truth to to Pat's kind of bottom line very unsubtle comment there that you just need to have him out there uh, because this is a game where this Florida offense it's not been consistent um, but Tennessee's defense has had a lot of busts and it's given up a lot of plays and Thompson is a guy who has proved time and time again just as a true freshman how good his instincts are on the field well and the maybe the best part of Florida's offense if not if not the team is the wide receiver group um Tennessee's or Florida's defensive ends are really good but second to that maybe I'd say wide receiver is probably their their strength so that's that's a position you got to worry about and and if you have Bryce Thompson out there uh you feel a lot better about your chances of of keeping those guys from you know getting a backup quarterback hot and settled into a to a game where he's playing pretty well and and edge rushers make big plays but yeah if a wide receiver makes a big play it's uh probably going to hurt you a lot more Tennessee's defense has been markedly better from the first game in these last couple games it has throw a shutout and you know the BYU game they were really good for 59 minutes and 40 seconds and then they capitulated well I think and and they you know it's not good that they got run over a little bit by an FCS team but 
When you give up zero points, I mean, that's the name of the game. You know, I thought what was interesting hang on, was... Hang on, uh, let me Google capitulated. You, you could you could argue that the maybe the best play... Collapsed, like you, Wes said the Braves would do. You, okay. you, you could argue that the best play Chattanooga made in that game was a play directly from the Dan Mullen playbook when they kind of ran that spread option play where they did the shovel off of the option there. And I think that kind of stuff really gives Tennessee's defense a lot of problems. And I, I know, I think we all know how good of an offensive mind Dan Mullen is. He's awkward. Uh, he never wins the offseason, but then the games start during the season and he finds a way to get his guys to win games. And as a play caller, when he gets in a rhythm, he's really good. And I, I think he'll see some things on film that he can maybe expose a little bit with this defense because when they have busts, they're pretty bad. I mean, it's not like they have, you know, one guy kind of maybe being a little bit off his technique. I mean, when they bust, they just kind of – I mean, it's it's a freak show. I don't know. Florida Florida hasn't scored 30 points in a game this season, and, and they're playing a backup – they're playing a quarterback that hasn't started a game since he was a freshman in high school. They so. scored 45 against UT Martin. My boy Jason okay, Simpson sorry. and the Skyhawks. My, my apologies to the Skyhawks. And well, they, they didn't get going to the second second half of that game. That reminds me. What happened to Kyle Trask in high school? Who was in the, who was in the room King, with him? Derek King was the starter, and he was the backup. And he stayed there? I don't know how I did that. Very and Mac- he stayed there and just backed up and still got a scholarship? Kind of like a Matt Castle situation he, there. Right. I mean, it's kind of kind of impressive that uh, obviously coaches seem to think highly of this guy, even though he's you know he's never really well, been given he, a chance. He was uh, brought in by McIlwain, and I think he was like rated – in the twenty four seven sports composite, he think he was like in the two thousands, right? Like overall, that's bad, right? <laughs> I mean, I, you just don't know how good this guy is. But I mean, yeah. If again, it's one of those deals where a lot like with Daniel Batuli, it's hard to picture Tennessee's defense being better without Bryce Thompson than with him. Um, and, and whether or not, you know, I, I think even if Thompson starts or even if he doesn't start, I think they'll probably play maybe three, four guys at corner just to stay fresh. Um, but, you know, if Thompson shows he's not, you know, sucking wind after five plays in a row, he's not getting tired. If he's not, you know, having busts, if he's not, you know, if he's, showing, if, if he's quickly back to what he – close to what he can be, then – Keep letting uh, her rip. Yeah, keep playing him. And, and, and like I said, I, I, I'd start him. He's one of your best players. Uh, I think he's served his penance for what happened based on what we know. Um, and, and certainly if you do play him for Tennessee ahead of a court date, there's, you know, on the surface, there's some risks there, but as we've talked about in the past, you know, they probably know more about the situation than, than than most people do publicly. Everything I've heard leads me to believe that they feel pretty good about getting a lot of that, if not all of it tossed out. Yeah. And so if, if that's the case, then, you know, it, it, it seems more likely that you play him, he has his court date, nothing happens. And then you, you would look foolish if you lost this game nothing happens and you could have maybe played him, you know, if that makes sense. And certainly there's a situation, you know, the situation where, um, you know, they need to, they need to make sure Thompson's good to go with, with some of the things that off the field with him. But um, on the field, I think, you know, three games he's, he's been suspended. He wasn't with the team on the sideline last week. And if, if he's not too rusty or out of shape, I think you've got to play him and, uh, and I'd start him. Well, and, and again, you know, they brought him back last week, you know what started the week middle of the week in practice and we all kind of thought at the time okay you're probably not playing in this week but this gives him time to get ready for florida so the setup all along kind of has pointed to this being yeah, a possibility you, you didn't need him against chattanooga but you probably are going to yeah. need him against florida and he's had more than a week to get ready so while jeremy pruitt sort of you know mentioned the fact that yeah this guy missed a lot of time you know like you said about two and a half weeks patrick it wasn't that much time enough to make a difference probably but now he's had about 10 days to make up for that so now that you've had him 
back on the practice field for that long. He's probably back up to speed a little bit. You know, there still might be some rust, but he, he's he's probably ready to go. And yeah, we'll see if they start him. If they don't, I think it's just a purely disciplinary thing. And and you know, maybe for optics reasons, you don't start him. You know, whatever the case might be. But I think I think he's going to play. If I had to guess, yeah, because you know, you talk about it not being like an injury, and it's not. But but also, if you're not wearing pads and going through practice for a couple of weeks, that does affect your conditioning. But this is his second week back at practice. You know, they they wear pads and get after it pretty hard on on Tuesday every week. So I, I think he's had enough practices now to get out there and. They, they can probably tell by watching that film. You know, they, they got the loaf cams up there all over the place. If he's out there sucking wind, they're going to know it. Plus, the head football coach is more or less the cornerback's coach on that team. So he's getting a better look than anyone else out there, just what kind of shape this kid's in. This isn't like he has to look at film and then he has to ask a position coach. And, you know, this is a these are the guys that Pruitt's with for – the majority of every single practice. So he probably has a pretty good idea whether this kid's ready to go out there and play an extended period of time or not. And also, that gets back to the original question, even if he's not at his best, is he a better option right now? And I got to think with what I've seen from these corners this season, I think it's worth the risk. Yeah, I think so. I, I think even if he's yeah not at his best, he's we know what kind of athlete he is. We know even if he makes a couple mistakes, he's capable of also making some big plays, and that's what the secondary needs. You know, they first two games. You know, let's let's not forget that before the four interception game against an FCS team, this team was struggling to get its hands on on passes. Uh, the secondary wasn't making much happen. So a, a guy like Bryce Thompson, you know, he showed last year at least that he's he's capable of making those plays. So even if he makes some mistakes in this game, he gives you a chance to be disruptive back there, and, and they need a guy like that. Yeah, and, and if you're if you're Tennessee, I think your your big concern based on what you've seen this year is some of the RPO stuff, uh, some of those slants. Ten, you know, I think some other teams, you know, Chattanooga tried some of that stuff. They couldn't catch the ball though. Uh, BYU hit some of that stuff late in that game, uh, and I think if you're Tennessee, you you've got to you've got to put this game on on Kyle Trask and Emory Jones to beat you throwing the football. So uh, you're going to have to be able to trust your cornerbacks on not on an island necessarily, but they're going to play a lot of their usual kind of man coverage and. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Ryan, I think F- Florida's wide receivers are probably one of their one of their top two, or maybe even their best position group. And um, e- even though they're, they're not going to have Kadarius Tony out there, but um, y- you're going to need your best players in your secondary to be available and to be ready to go to match up against those guys. And and Thompson's one of those guys. So uh, even if he's not fully back to what he will be once he's more back in the fold and practicing every week and and getting you know knocking some of the rust off, he's still. Uh, as good as they've got and, and is a guy that if you want to go in this game, you need to have him out there on the field. Real quick before we go to break here, guys, uh, any anything surprising about the Jeremy Banks situation, uh, him being able to, to go out there and play, and what role does he play in this game? How much will they trust him to be out there when you have guys like Batuli and, and Toa Toa out there? Well, I, I don't I don't know that his – his the arrest and all that all that stuff. I don't know if that is going to impact his playing time at all. I mean, he's he, he's still kind of figuring out what he's doing at linebacker. Yeah, um, he has some good moments when he's in position. I think he's made some plays, but uh, you know, he, he's still sort of figuring out what it takes. And, and I don't know if in a game of this magnitude, you know, we saw they didn't they didn't play a lot of they didn't rotate a lot of guys against BYU. They mostly went with Will Ignan and, and Henry Toatoa. Now, obviously, with Daniel Batuli's situation. Uh, can he play 60 snaps if that's what it's required in a second game back? That might be a, a tall ask, but uh, I would think as, as many snaps as he can give you and as many snaps as Henry Toa Toa can give you, 
Um, you're gonna have those guys out there, and 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 Banks maybe get some some spot work. Maybe Shannon Reed gets some spot work in some of their sub packages. But uh, I, I don't I don't think what happened with Banks. I don't think that's gonna impact his, his playing time at all. Yeah, and I think it was telling that when it happened, Tennessee's sort of uh, I guess official statement on it was a, essentially that the situation had been resolved and that they were aware of it. So all I, think- all I know is when in in. When I was 19 and 20, I didn't know that you could get arrested for an active warrant if, for yeah. traffic violations. I didn't know about that. I didn't have any traffic violations. I've or got active warrants? Spe- Boy, I find no. you have no traffic <laughs> incidents at all. That is, I have you three speeding tickets for my entire <laughs> life. Angry driver. Just three. I'm very good at it. And none of Only one of them were in, uh, was in the state of Tennessee. The other two were in Alabama. Yeah, I got one in... Which uh, is not my favorite state, but... Got, got, one in, in, got one in this area. Actually, two in this area. Don't make it about you, Wes. One in... Uh, one in around Elon, North Carolina, covering a SoCon game, and one in the middle of Virginia. But that, the point is, the point is, I really didn't know that active warrants for traffic violations was a thing until I started watching Live PD this summer, and then you realize that like half the people on the road probably have them. Got to pay those traffic tickets or show up in court. That, that's a fair point, and and you know how else you can pay it, for things. And, and well, I don't want to ruin your segue because that was really good. That was nice. Well, it was going to be, but you know, I don't want it to be about me over here. I mean, I'm just the one over here hitting it, all the if, buttons and it, doing everything. It's not a big deal, though. It, it doesn't have to be about me. It can be about you. If, if Banks had been to Knox County's traffic court, if he had gone or if he'd been there before, he wouldn't have missed it because it's a trip. Yeah, the uh, or the, if you've ever been, I'm not saying go speed, but if you get a if you get a speeding ticket, go to traffic court, enjoy the show. Also, I got to plead you, no contest uh, the, and go the, on with your life. The Anderson County one, uh, the Anderson County one, I went to when free the, legal advice when, from when, went to the one Anderson the County. All twenty four seven five. And the judge said, "Son, were you driving too afar? No, no, Your Honor. Were, were you driving from afar? No, no, Your Honor. Well, well, why didn't? Uh, so there was no fire involved. No, sir. Then why were you driving that fast through my county, son? So don't do that. But uh, if you got to do it, uh, do it well." And I'm going to go step away now for a second. We're going to pay some bills. Here's some products, services, in-house ads, all those things. And then we're going to take a quick break, come right back, and talk about what Tennessee needs to do uh, in order to win this game. Grant, do you have any thoughts before you leave here? I got nothing. Hit the button. Ads, hashtag ad. <laughs> Welcome back to the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and ads, that, in-house ads that you just heard during that commercial break. Uh, no longer the full crew in the house. Uh, Grant Ramey had to go leave because he never gives 100% to anything in his life for any reason whatsoever. Not, uh, but, but I wouldn't what, say not anything, but... Maybe lifting. That's about it. Yeah. Sups. Yeah, lifting and sups. He, do, he has had some of the largest uh, sup orders I've ever seen in terms of... Sups you, meaning supplements. I'm looking at his sups, and I'm like, man, that's like a... Like a mortgage payment there? You're, you're, you're spending on subs there, guy? A.K.A. steroids. Committed to it. Yeah, you can probably just go, you know, go get steroids, anyone at your gym. You know, Ramey's one of those guys walking around drinking water out of a milk jug, so you're, like, guaranteed, well, that's, that guy's taking roids. Just one of those guys. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, still here at Fort Rucker Studio. Hoping everyone out there is having a good Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, Saturday morning, or whatever day it is, whatever time of day it is. We're happy to be here for you. Guys, we, we talked about in the first segment, Tennessee getting a couple big pieces back or, or keeping one big piece and one, one moderate piece and then bringing back one really big piece there uh, in Bryce Thompson. What does Tennessee need to do to give itself a chance to win this game. That is the pretty much the entire topic of this segment. 
what does Tennessee need to do in order to have not win the game, but to give itself a chance to win the game? Well, uh, let's start with last season. Let's not do six turnovers again, balls. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that that's that that's a good way to make sure that the game gets ugly. That's a good um, one to put on the board top. Don't have six turnovers. No six turnovers, please. Yes, uh, that that has to be uh, the starting point. They have to win the turnover margin somehow. Even if it's just one to zero, do they have to win it? You think? Just don't lose it. Yes, they have to win it, Ryan. I'm not sure they do, but it depends on what Florida's well, offense. I'm not surprised you're being contrarian, right? I'm now. not being contrarian. I just don't know how good Florida's offense is. That's. I'll tell you why they need to win the turnover battle. Why I think they need to is because in most games this season, I think when you break it down, you know, people always talk about offense versus defense, defense versus offense. Special teams is one third of the game, um, and they always say that it's not technically one third of the game, but it's a decent chunk of the game, and. Most weeks against most opponents, Tennessee will be better than its opponent on special teams. Tennessee uh, has a, a good punter who, who maybe is starting to become a really good punter to kind of keep that punter you tradition going. Tennessee now has an absolute certified weapon at kicker uh, for the first time in a little bit, a guy who you feel pretty pretty confident anytime he goes out there to kick a ball, and he's been a guy who's kicked a 51-yarder in the swamp before. So you, you've got those two guys. You've got a dangerous kick returner in Ty Chandler, and you've got a dangerous punt returner in Callaway, and your coverage units are pretty good. So Tennessee, and you got a kickoff specialist who puts it through the end zone every time, except for the one he kicked out of bounds last week. But in general, Tennessee is going to be better than its opponent most times on special teams. This is going to be one of those weeks where Tennessee might do very well on special teams, and it'd be a draw because Florida is very, very, very good on special teams like it usually is. Uh, always has some dangerous return guys. Uh, former Vol, Tommy Thompson. Does, do you, do you, are you Tommy still Townsend. Tommy Townsend. Yeah. Are you still a VFL if you leave Tennessee and go to Florida? Uh, I don't know if you – It's a VF one year. But, but do you get VFL status no. if you leave for an SEC East I rival? I don't think so. I think Eli, I think Eli Wolf does. I don't mm. think Tommy Thompson does. You're, you're saying that because – He's your ninja. Yeah. Well, and he you're, you're jaded, and because he expressed sympathy for his former teammates struggling to start the season, and he's gone somewhere where they're clearly taking better advantage of what he can do. So, I mean, wow. I don't. I, Ooh, geez. I, that, look at the numbers. That's just a numbers argument. You know, for whatever reason, he was a guy that Tennessee staff really liked him as a kid. He was one of the leaders on the team. Heck, they took him to SEC media days, but uh, they didn't throw the ball his way very often. Maybe that's because Jeremy Pruitt, the first time he saw him, thought he was a team manager. Probably not the best start, you know. Probably not the best way. You know, they say you can't make a – no, don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Uh, that, that one could have been tough. Bottom line, I think we can agree that Townsend probably doesn't. But uh, punter and kicker, Florida very good there. Florida always dangerous in the return game. Florida has some good coverage guys. Uh, so this is going to be – Tennessee is 1-2, and two, but it's 3-0 and oh in terms of winning special teams battles. This one might not be that way. So I think Tennessee probably does have to win the turnover margin to have a chance to win this game. Because Thank that, you for agreeing with me. That's taking a pretty big chunk of the game that's normally in Tennessee's column, and that's maybe removing that. So I think that's that's huge. Um, but that's the very first thing. Good thing. We're going to write that down this list. Don't turn it over six times. Maybe don't even turn it over half that much. Maybe maybe not even three. Maybe stop at one. I would I would just say in general they need to not either – it needs to be one of two things. You either need to not lose the turnover battle by much. It needs to be two to one or three to two if you're going to lose it. Or sometimes even if you lose the turn or even if you win the turnover battle, sometimes your turnover ends up being the most costly and the most timely for your opponent. Tennessee needs to not do what it usually does, which is 
make the worst possible play at the worst possible time at Florida. They need to not turn it over on their own end and give Florida an easy score. They need to not, you know, lose at the last second the way they did the last couple of times down there. But I think that's the main thing. Even if Tennessee only commits one turnover, if it's a fumble return for a touchdown, it might be way more costly than three Florida turnovers. So just don't pee down your leg is what I would say essentially is what Tennessee often does at the swamp and avoid that. I think the the other big thing they need uh, is Derek Garantano has to have one of his, what I'm going to say, at his best games. Because Jeremy Pruitt talked sure. about uh, his starting quarterback on Wednesday uh, and said, you know, I've seen him at his best. When he's going, when he's in a groove, he's pretty good. They need that Garantano to show up Saturday. If, if they get the Garantano that played against Georgia State or BYU, Tennessee's not going to win, uh, and they'll probably lose by double digits. Uh, they need a guy that's out there that's, uh, making throws, accurate throws, getting rid of the ball, um, getting them in the right plays, not holding the ball too long and, and taking sacks when they don't need it. Um, and, and they need him to basically, I don't want to say be a distributor, but um, I, I think Tennessee has a potential advantage in this game with its wide receivers against Florida secondary, given the state of Florida's secondary currently, because they got some guys banged up. Uh, they're thin. Um, and, and, if, and if you're Tennessee, you should be going into every game thinking your wide receivers can be a, a matchup problem for the other team. So, uh, he needs to be able to get the ball out to, to those guys and, and make adva- and take advantage of those guys. Now Tennessee's offense has to do some things to help him. They they can't be in third and ten all day because uh, that's when Florida's pass rushers will tee off and that'll put some of those tackles in a tough spot. But you just uh, took my it, number one. It, thing, but Garantano has to have. He doesn't have to play as well maybe as he did against Auburn last season, um, but he has to be able to make enough throws and put enough plays and take care of the ball. Um, if he doesn't play well, Tennessee's got no chance. I, regardless, I would, regardless of all else. Yeah, I've got I've got three things on my list. So um, this will be for like ten minutes. You'll talk. No. <laughs> what is with this attitude today? What is with? I'm this? feisty. Somebody, all right. Somebody's got a case of the Wednesday Thursdays. Here is what I think is 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 the list. Number one on the list for me in this game. Don't turn the ball over. We've talked about that a lot. We got we it. We're to, good. We We're do done. That. So we talked about that. Let's Number go two, this is just as important for me. If you're Tennessee, I don't care how you get there, but you need to have your third down yards to go average no higher than like six. Because if you're sitting there with an average third down of third and seven or longer, if that's your average third down, Tennessee is screwed in this game. Because And what does that mean? Run the ball well enough. Keep them mixed up early. Do not have false start and holding penalties. You have got to find a way to make third down manageable because if you're Tennessee and you have a manageable third down situation, you have the threat of play action. You can mix it up. You can keep Florida guessing. You can take a couple of shots. You have a much, much, much better chance in just about any game, but especially in this game because down there it's going to be loud, so you know there's going to be some procedure penalties on offense. You know you're going to have that. You don't want it, but you know you're going to have it. Uh, and you're going to have some, you know, a defense throwing some different looks at you and probably going to have some guys coming free and probably going to hit your quarterback. If Tennessee's in third and long for a majority of the day, Tennessee absolutely cannot win this football game. I don't think it's possible. And then number three is Jarrett Garantano has to manage this football game. It would help if he played really well. That would be ideal, but he can't play bad. If they set, up, if they set the table for him, he's got to eat. He's got to throw the ball on time. He's got to throw the ball. And you know what he's got to do? He's got to give his – this is probably one of the worst Florida secondaries Tennessee's going to see. It it just is. And one of its better players is a question mark going into this game. 
So they're going to have matchups there. Tennessee knows going into most games, even against really good teams, their wide receivers are going to be better than the opponent's defensive backs. So you've got to use that. You've got to take chances. You, They've got to figure out a way to get the ball to Josh Palmer. They have got to do that. He right now is averaging about 10, 11 yards a catch. That's half of what he averaged last season. Or Jawan Jennings has got to go win this game. Well, there's no question. He's going to, he, I think we all know he's going to make a couple of big plays because it's Florida and because it's a big game. And, that, well, and he's that's off what to he a, does. He's off to a great start, too, after yeah. the summer surgery. Any questions about how healthy he would be? Um, he's healthy enough to go help you win some football games. He's, oh, yeah. he's playing as well as he has in a while. So give him chances, give Callaway chances, and give Palmer chances. And, and also shove the ball in there to um, – Dominic Wood, to, Anderson. Dominic Wood Anderson at times. Agreed. Now, don't throw the ball into triple coverage when people are blanketing him. Yeah. Not a good idea. I wouldn't do that. But they've got to get the ball more to Palmer. He was a guy last year who absolutely carved up people downfield. They've had chances against BYU. He would have had a couple of big 30, 40, 50-plus yard plays if Garantano had seen him, but he didn't. Uh, they've got to find a way to get him the ball. So that, that's my list of three things that they just absolutely have to do. Uh and again, that's maybe not fair because you're not talking much at all about Tennessee's defense. Um, but I think we all know third down both both ways. You got to be pretty good. Um, they got to get off the field on third down. They yeah, have my, to. my three points uh, essentially what we covered earlier. Mine's more don't let turnovers just decide the game one way or the other. Two, Jared Garantano. Jared Garantano has to play well I think I, this is one of those games he's I think he does have to win it like like Patrick basically said I, I think he has to be able to make some plays because I'm not I, I don't know I'm, I don't know what Tennessee can expect to get out of the running game in this game uh they need to at least keep Florida honest but I just feel like this is a game Garantano is gonna have to make some plays in addition to taking care of the ball if they're gonna find a way to win it and three to me and this might be even ahead of number two depending on how the game goes I'll sum it up a couple things by just saying don't let Florida's backup quarterback beat you with his legs because two things for this one they needed to make whoever's in at quarterback whether it's Trask or Emory Jones beat them with his arm um, because I think Tennessee has a tendency to allow dual threat quarterbacks over the years especially backups yeah they miss opportunities for TFLs they they yeah. lose discipline on their rushing lanes they, they, they do all those things they, they've let backup quarterbacks beat them with their legs too many times over the years we've seen that even Florida Treon Harris came in and did it uh, several years ago in Neyland Stadium so you can't let that happen and then maybe maybe more importantly than that though they've got to stop Florida's running game because it hasn't been very good so far and Tennessee needs to make sure that doesn't change this week because I, I think we still have some serious questions about Tennessee's defensive front. Um, whether they can can hold up in SEC play after what we saw against you know BYU at times against Georgia State at times uh, they, they I think they've played better a little bit over the last game game and a half but are they still good enough to even against a not great Florida offensive line are they good enough to stack up uh, on the line of scrimmage there and and sort of bottle up a running game uh, against an SEC team I don't know if they are and if if they are that's they, gonna they've been pretty good about keeping people from just running right yeah. over them it, it's been when people have had misdirection and gotten to the edge they've had problems. yeah and and, and they've got to yeah they gotta be able to defend all of that florida's got enough speed to, to hurt them on the edges but either way i think they've got to keep florida's running game in check because that's that's the key for these florida quarterbacks whoever's in there they need they need to get a running game going consistently to help those guys if they don't have that at their disposal I think those backup quarterbacks are going to be challenged quite a bit, and, and Tennessee at least has some players in the secondary who can make them make them pay if they th- make some bad throws. If if I'm Tennessee and I'm Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Hansley, I'm I'm saying I'm I'm licking my chops going into this game because you got you you got a quarterback and Kyle Trask hasn't started a game, 
since he was a freshman in high school. We talked about earlier, he was behind uh, Derek King, who's now at Houston, uh, at a high school in Texas, I think Manville was the name of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, he's got maybe 60. Manville. So maybe like 40 career pass attempts around Texas, there. Texas would be the state to have a city it, called Manville. It, it, no, it, Manville, right? V- Manville, yes. V-E-L. Like Anvil. Yeah. Like the thing that the that uh, that Roadrunner tries to get or is trying to dodge from Wiley Coyote. Yeah, it was Manville, right? No, not V I L L E. It's V E L, right? Yes, that's still how it's pronounced, right? I don't think so. All right, anyway, y'all are interrupting my point. It's you making me mad. You Sam Houston over there? Um, yeah. If you're if you're Tennessee in this game, you're you're going against a guy that's not started a game since he was a freshman in high school, and he's a fourth year player. Um, and and, and Emory Jones has thrown I think twenty passes in his career. I'm making these guys beat me throwing the ball. If yep. they if they make plays throwing the ball to these wide receivers, and they win the game, you tip your hat. I, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna let these. Uh, you know, you, you got to put the game in those guys' hands. Yep. Now the the disadvantage for Tennessee is you have very little film of both these guys because they really haven't played a whole lot. Uh, for Trask, outside of mop up duty, uh, he basically played about the same amount of time against Missouri last year. Looked pretty good, but that was the game Missouri was I think pretty winning pretty convincingly at that point. And then mm-hmm. the other night against Kentucky, when Kentucky didn't really come after him, it seemed like they were content to try to keep everything in front of him, played I, some zone. Yeah, I think they felt better um, about their discipline on the back end, though. I thought yeah, they felt like they could do that. Yeah, and they were playing with a lead, too. And so you're, you're trying to keep everything in front of you, not give up a cheap big play to the backup quarterback. Yeah. And so uh, if you're Tennessee, and, and we've heard Jeremy Pruitt talk about it, and we've seen him coach here for a year, he wants to be aggressive. They blitz BYU all night. And I would expect them to do the same on Saturday afternoon. I would expect them to bring pressure for different places. Yeah, he's not comfortable on bring his the heels. linebackers. Yeah, he, that's he's not that's, comfortable. He there. said that's a big reason they lost to Georgia State and played so poorly defensively is because they they played on their heels in that game. I don't expect them to do that uh, with these two guys. And I do expect Florida to bring in Emory Jones because I mean, if you're Dan Mullen, he he's a smart football coach. He knows what to do. He's he probably watched the Georgia State film and said, hey, they ran a lot of options, a lot of zone reads. Tennessee really struggled against it we can do some of that stuff with emory jones maybe that'll get our run game going but if you're tennessee and emory jones is in the game put eight guys in the box put nine guys in the box yep cover put one guy on whoever's receivers you got a safety go you you got the tight end another safety's got the running back and everybody else zero in on the quarterback i mean it, it shouldn't be complicated now as you pointed out ryan it's been complicated for tennessee against some of these backup quarterbacks in the past and, and they make them look good uh, for Florida and for other teams, but having unknowns makes it tougher. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and Tennessee has basically no film of either of these guys. Yeah. However, if if I'm them and I'm not, but and they know more football, uh, they forgot more about football than I'll ever know. But uh, I'm I'm just saying you got to put the game in, in these two quarterbacks' hands. These guys haven't played a lot, they haven't seen a lot, they've looked good in moments. But uh, if you make them beat you and they beat you. Okay, you tip your cap. Yeah, I'll but s- you, you're not going to let Florida run the ball for 250 yards and the quarterback go 11 of 15 for a couple touchdowns and 180 yards. You know, you you need to make Florida beat you with these two guys that haven't played a lot. Yeah, I think if if you're Tennessee I, offensively, I think you're going to see a lot of kind of safe conservative throws on first down because if they feel like they're not going to be able to kind of line up and just run for you know four or five yards on first down plays. Uh, they're going to have to stay ahead of the sticks. And to do that, you're going to have to gain yards on first down. So I think you're going to see maybe a lot of those kind of quick throws to what Anderson, to Jennings, to Callaway, guys like that, 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 are, that may only get you four or five yards, but they keep you ahead of the sticks and they give you a chance to do some play action stuff later. Now, if they can go run the ball, that's great. That's ideal. But if you can't do that, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to consistently run the ball against Florida, plus they have matchup advantages 
with their pass catchers against Florida's secondary. So they have a chance there to, to make some big plays, but it's going to be hard to make them because those guys that Florida's got coming off the edge, I know uh, Zuniga's not able to play, but, but Greenard's a good player. And he's a guy who – It's Grenard. He is a guy who is going to go out there and pin his ears back. And he – I mean, this just – this looks like – this looks like the kind of guy when Tennessee plays Florida that just obliterates the quarterback for 60 minutes. You can't do that. you got to stay ahead of the sticks. And that's why you have to either run it or you have to be smart with your passing on first down. And I'm going to say one more thing um, that did not make my top three list, but but if I could expand it so to five, it would be on there. Uh, we have not mentioned this name yet, and we need to, Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor has got to be big game Daryl Taylor. He has to be. The guy who had just who just dominated against Georgia and Kentucky last season, played well against Vandy uh, and Mizzou a little bit, he's a guy, he's got to go out there, and if, if they're going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, he's going to have to be the one doing a lot of it because I don't know how much they're going to trust a guy like Crouch in this game. Uh, but when he's in there, he's usually making things happen. But do you trust him in that kind of environment yet? I don't know. I do, yes. But you know that – you know if you're Daryl Taylor, you know you're going to get double teamed. You know you're going to get chipped. You know that's going to happen. But you have to do what great edge rushers do and what they've done for years now. You've got to get through it, and you got to go make a play. You know what? People double teamed uh, Derek Barnett all the time. They threw three guys at him sometimes. And you know what he did? He split those guys. He got around them. He still made plays. And if you're Dell Taylor, some guy, some people think that he has a chance to be a first-round draft pick this season. If th- going into SEC play now, he needs to show that. If he thinks that, if they, if people really think he has that kind of ability, and at, at his best, he is that good. I think those projections are a little ambitious, but oh, I know. But what I'm saying is, if people think he's even in the conversation, yeah, that means that he's a guy who you would think has the ability to take over football games. They need him. If he gets into the backfield and he gets his hands on you, you got to go down. He's got to do that. He, he's had a couple chances to get some guys down in, in you know, the first few weeks. He hadn't done it. Uh, he needs to go out there and make plays in the backfield. He needs to, to hurry those quarterbacks. He needs to hit them. He needs to be in their ear. He needs to bark at them. He needs to do what great edge rushers do in these games. Oh. So I think it's for me, it's hard for Tennessee to win this game if he didn't have a really good game. I'll throw in one more thing that we haven't mentioned that's sort of understood with a couple of the things we're saying, and that's Tennessee's offensive line. Uh, can't get Jarrett Garantano killed. It can't lead to turnovers. Uh, Tennessee has a, has a great tendency to get passes batted down or to, to have the sack fumbles in, in these games at the Swamp. Um, They've got to avoid that, and they've got to keep Jarrett Garantano healthy and upright as much as possible, especially if they use the same lineup as last week and start two true freshmen and a redshirt sophomore who's never started an SEC game. Uh, those guys going on the road for the first time, Wanye Morris, Darnell Wright, Karon Calvert, that's that's a little bit scary, um, and especially against a, a group that has this good of a, a, a group of edge rushers. Uh, Florida has 16 sacks, most in the SEC, although 10 of those came against a Miami team that has a pretty shaky offensive line to open the season, but still, that's that's a very good defensive front they'll be facing against Florida, and especially on the road, they've got to be composed and play pretty well for, for young guys playing on the road for the first time. Yeah, if you're Tennessee, you have to control that front four because I think you could make a pretty good argument. You could make a pretty good argument that the best thing to do against Jared Garantano is not to blitz him, but to sit back. Yeah and make him make good decisions against his own defense Ex- to beat you. Because, except, but, except he really struggles to feel the pressure sometimes, and you can get to him because he holds onto the ball too long Well, sometimes. and I'm saying if you're Florida, and if you can get pressure with just your front four, 
uh, then you can still sit back and you can protect those defensive yeah. backs that are not very good. You can protect them with some zone stuff, mm-hmm. and, and you cannot leave them exposed one on one all day long. Uh, but if you if you can get pressure with that front four and you're Florida, you probably feel like you're going to win this game. Yeah. Um, but you know, if they're not able to do that, if they have to blitz to to get some pressure. Uh, then that exposes potential big plays down the field. So that that's why this game is so intriguing, and, and that's why I think I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think Tennessee has a great chance to win this game because I, I don't know that I believe that. But I do, if I'm being honest here, this is not an invincible Florida team. This nope. is not, you know, last year I didn't think it was a top-10 team. It ended up there. Uh, this season I don't think it looks like one yet, but, you know, they know how to win. Give them credit for that. But Tennessee has some matchup advantages in this game. Tennessee should not go down there and lose this game by 30 points. It no. just shouldn't happen. It should not happen. It probably shouldn't have happened last year either, but things, things happen when you commit six turnovers. But yeah, you don't even know what the plan was because they turned it yeah. over so much. Grass, I think you made, you made a good point, and that's, I think, something that, that Tennessee could see differently that um, uh, in this game than from some of the first couple of games that they lost is that Florida – is going to play man. They're going to be in your face with their defensive backs. I mean, that's just how Todd Grantham's done it. That's how Florida's done it uh, across multiple yeah. defensive coordinators. I think Garantano said this week that, you know, that they, they kind of line up and say, our guys are better than your guys and beat us. And, and that's kind of how uh, they play in the secondary. And um, that, you know, Auburn did that last year. And, and on that particular day, Tennessee's passing game was making plays. You know, Garantano was giving those guys chances to make plays and, and Jennings and Callaway were, were making those plays on 50-50 balls. And, uh, and and I think Tennessee can have maybe that opportunity to do that again. I don't know how much Florida's going to sit back in zone. Like a, lot of, like a lot of good defensive coordinators like we see with Tennessee, they'll, they'll sort of pick their spots where they bring pressure uh, versus when they drop seven or eight into coverage. But Georgia State and BYU basically said, we're not going to give up any big plays. We're playing a lot of deep coverage. Uh, BYU played cover three. Georgia State basically said, we're not going to let you throw the ball down the field. So – uh, and I'm interested to see if Florida kind of tweaks it and does, you know, does it differently that way. So, uh, and if they don't, if they play a lot of man, then Tennessee can, you know, try to get some, you know, maybe make some plays on the outside, get some pass interference penalties, uh, and try to move the ball down the field that way. And, and that could play into uh, a little bit of what Tennessee can do and maybe help them take advantage of, of maybe that matchup. Yeah, because what Florida wants to do, especially and what Todd Grantham always wants to do, is, is something that is maybe not the best way to go after Tennessee. So that's going to be – very, very interesting. Uh, you know what else is interesting sometimes are, are commercials. Uh, some, some good products, some services, some in-house ads. Uh, some of those things can be good too. So we're going to step away for a second. We're going we're gonna to get, get, get a quick soda pop, get a quick water, be back in just a second. We're going to go over some questions as we tend to do on these Thursday morning podcasts. Hashtag ads. Welcome back. The Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and ads you just heard just a second ago during the commercial break. Uh, don't have the full crew in the house anymore. Uh, we only had Grant Ramey for one segment today. Grant bailed. Because 33% effort is about, I think that that's what his life story, his memoirs could be titled 33% effort, the Grant Ramey story. I think that's probably a fair way to put it. Uh, but Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan still coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning, afternoon, evening, Friday morning, afternoon, evening, Saturday morning, whatever day it is, whatever time it is. We hope you're having a good time listening to us today. Do we have some questions? We have a bunch of questions, guys. So we're going to have to go a little bit quick here. You were afraid we weren't getting any, and now you've been bombarded with them, haven't you? Yeah. I was worried. 
At first, I, I saw the list here this week, and I was like, guys, this isn't good. This isn't enough. This isn't enough. So I threw it out of social media, too. Uh, but then, uh, after giving some gentle prodding uh, to the good people at GoBoss 24-7, our wonderful, wonderful subscribers, uh, they have come through again. Uh, first question here from Volve for Life 94 long-time listener, first podcast appearance. Good start. After seeing Mike Leach's epic response to which Pac-12 mascot would win a fight between the mascots, I was wondering which SEC team would win a battle royale. Also, which mascot in all of college football would you choose if everyone got one mascot to pick for a fight? Wow. Um, Great question. I'm having to think about this. Yeah. If so it, if it, the if it, SEC has lots of tigers and lots of bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and also an elephant, which is just a large creature. Yeah. yeah. Size Elephants can, they can mess some stuff up. If oh, you yeah. make them mad, you don't want to see a mad, you don't want to see an elephant mad. Technically, isn't, a, isn't it a herd of elephants for Alabama since it's a tide? Or am I making, am I oversimplifying that? I don't know, but they only, Big Al's the only one they ever have out there. They only it's have true. one together. Yeah. You know, and, and here, I'm going to tell you one other one. That, and what, that, what is an Aggie? I'll tell you one that you don't know. <laughs> agricultural person, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you one that doesn't so need to be not, overlooked. Not an Aggie. You don't want to overlook the Razorback because that those those uh, mean. those big, mean, feral pigs yeah. are not something to mess with. They can mess you up. Uh, but here's the one thing that's really unfair about this. Hold, hold that thought. Razorbacks weigh between 150 and 300 pounds. Yeah. Elephants weigh... Um, up to thirteen thousand pounds. Yeah. So. Yeah, but you know, you know how they were able to kill Achilles. They were able to kill Achilles, right? They put an arrow through his through his Achilles tendon. What does Achilles have to do with any of this? You you didn't let me finish. If you're a Razorback and you go kind of for the the elephant version of the Achilles, can you fell the beast by going right for the Achilles? I don't know. I'm is, just thinking out loud. Here. Is a gator quick enough to deal with an elephant or a, or a tiger? Any of those? They can go into water and protect themselves. Yeah. From a lot of those things. But, but that doesn't want to fight. Here's here's where it's not fight. Now I love blue tick. Coonhounds, I love them. I think they're great dogs. In fact, we have one uh, at the farm, Cooper the Wonder Dog. He's one of the best dogs that we've ever had. Love that guy. Uh, in fact, we had some, you know, donkeys, uh, some jackasses to protect the cattle. Um, but hey, family podcast. But man. that's what's the name of the animal. But if but Cooper's done such a good job keeping things away from the cattle that we were able to sell a lot of them because Cooper does such a good job protecting the cattle himself. But um, if Tennessee gets to take the rifleman. That is a guy with a gun, and a guy with a gun can bring down an elephant. Pretty much puts us atop the food chain in terms of, of of for human beings here. So I'm thinking that if Tennessee takes the rifleman, Tennessee probably wins because mm. he can he has a rifle, he can shoot them down. It's true. Now, in terms of all of college football, that's a great question. If it were Mario Kart, you would go with UC Santa Cruz's banana slugs. Because if you're playing Mario Kart, you don't ever want to run over those banana slugs, man. You don't want to. You don't want just, to do that. I think of. Uh, what about anything that has to do with the devil? Yeah, Texas Tech supernatural ra- powers. The red sun the, devil. The red the red raiders though. Blue devils. The red raiders. A dude on horseback with a gun. That's and, and someone yeah, who but, is but a, devils are supernatural and probably true. immortal. Probably, and there's no no. Um, well, we're getting into some theology. <laughs> theology. I don't think there's any teams now. I know Elon used to be the fighting Christians, but I don't think there's any like fighting gods. You know. <laughs> I don't think. What about um, you know? Hey, Michigan State with the Spartans. I mean, the Spartans were were hard to mess yeah. with. You give. What I mean, three hundred of them held back and the waves and waves of armies. What so about, what about a green wave? Just wipe everybody out. Ooh, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, if you have like a, you know, you're talking about a potential tsunami there. Like that's that's cyclones. Pretty, that's pretty. It's pretty dangerous. Cyclones, hurricanes, hurricanes. Yeah. But um, that's that's tough, man. Mm. If you, if, to Gold, pick just one. What about a golden hurricane? 
That sounds more powerful than a regular hurricane. What's the difference? I'm not I don't sure. know. I'd love to know the history there. Not you, enough to look it up, I guess. But Yeah, I mean, internet.com probably would be able to tell us. But yeah. I don't know. I think Patrick's probably right there. Something like a sun devil would be probably pretty hard to deal with. Yeah. That would be that would be my guess because you're getting into the supernatural at that point. Good question. We'll probably not have any more questions where we take as much time as that one, but Vol for Life, yeah. that is an excellent question. and Great debut question, and thank you for listening to the yes, podcast. You're someone clearly who should who should ask more questions uh, and because that was fun like a, like a Mike Leach presser there. Uh, another, another question here from uh, BGO Snow 151. What is keeping Theo from winning as many rings with the Chicago Cubs as he did in Boston? Oh, boy. Ooh. Ooh. Oof, oof. Um, that's a good question. Right now, I think that a lot of people think it's Joe Madden that's the problem. But They need um, a new manager. I think this year, one of the biggest problems has just been they've been hurt too much. You know, right now they're trying to trying to compete for a playoff spot, and they've got, you know, uh, Mago's out, Rizzo's out, Kimbrel's out, you know, Russell's out too. I mean, they're they're just they're banged up right now, and they have the highest payroll, so there's no real excuses. But you know, they they've kind of been banged up all year long. I'll give you two things: complacency, possible, because once you win a World Series, you're never quite as hungry again. Especially when you bring one to a place like Chicago and a place like yep. Wrigleyville, where you're just now you're a walking god well, for the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, and all those guys were young uh, when it, when they won it, those core players. So that's that that has to have at least a subconscious impact on them, I think. And two, pitching. I think it's been sort of their Achilles' heel for a few years. Like they've got good pitching, but it's not elite. And when they have injuries, it, it becomes a problem. So I think, like you said, injuries are an issue this year. But just in general, what's kept them from winning a title over the last three years, I think it's those two things. It would be nice if you Darvish, you know, would, yeah, would pitch I mean, consistently well enough for the money that, that he's made. But he's, he's pitched better lately. But His second question here was, how shocked would y'all be? I don't if, get to chime in on the Cubs. Oh, go ahead. Please do. I was I about to say th- something nice about the Braves, but I'm probably not now because you're going to take the floor. Go ahead. I was just going to say that the Cubs are they just don't want to lose the Braves in the playoffs, so they're just tanking. They just don't want any. There, if I could make a list of things in my life that made me the happiest, it was much crap as I've had to deal with y'all all year long, all of you people, and not just and not just not just Pat and not not just Pat, not just Grant. There's also a lot of Braves fans in our in our twenty four seven sports network. Our good friend Tim Watts at Bama Online, huge Braves fan too, and they they get on group texts, and I have. I used to have a lot of respect for the Braves because I covered them for just a little bit, Got was just really impressed with the organization, their first class in every way. But y'all have made me sort of hate the Braves now because of your Good. actions this year. So in my life... Your hate fuels us. If I could make a... I swear that winning... Now, the Cubs winning the World Series would still be the best potential you know, thing for any year. Number two, it would be the Cubs getting to the playoffs and eliminating the Braves. So y'all have to shut up for a while. That would make me so happy. Well, it's not going to happen this year because the Cubs probably aren't going to make the playoffs. <laughs> but, but re- Hey, related to this, though, if the Cup, kind of what I was saying with the complacency thing, if they don't, let's say they don't make it past the wild card game this year. Let's say they either make the playoffs and get get the wild card game, a.k.a. the Dayton of the yeah. Major League Baseball say, playoffs. Say they immediately get, get knocked out or they don't make the playoffs at all. Do they have to consider breaking up that core, at least trading one major piece? I would uh, say get a new manager. Well, you, you still have Bryant for another few cheap years, so you're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, you'll get murdered if you trade Rizzo, so you're not going to do that. You'll get murdered if you trade Baez, so you're not going to do that. I don't know. I mean, they're not going to get a huge return for Schwarber. They're not going to get a huge return for Russell because of his past. You know, yeah. they're, they're just they're not going to. I think ha- the answer is probably not. I think you'd go with the new manager and upgrade the pitching some in some different places, but it's an interesting thought. Yeah, that's true. And they're already spending a lot of money, but they have money to spend, so they shouldn't they should shouldn't have a problem there. Uh, another question. We knew we, we knew he was going to emerge. Blake Digits. 
Blake Digits with a question. Uh, which position group is most important for Tennessee to pull an upset? I'll stop you right there. Quarterback. Um, quarterback. I think it's close between quarterback and offensive line. Uh, I'll say quarterback because the offensive line, yeah, remember like when this rivalry was at its height, it was always whoever ran the ball better right. won the game. I think Tennessee had more rushing yards in both of the last games down there and lost. And maybe even that's t- right. And maybe even in 2016, too. I, I don't remember the numbers there, but – you know, 2015, Dobbs and Hurd ran all over him. And in 2017, John Kelly ran all over him. And it didn't matter. It's fair. So question. I'm going to go quarterback. I'm with you, Us. Plus, I also just – I don't want to agree with Ryan because he's Ryan. That's true. You sit here and, and you're trying to – you try to run your mouth at me, but then you look at the other options in this room and you go, I have no choice. And you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm a little bit offended that you – that I, I, I do like, not. I don't care that you're considered offended. the like the least bad solution in here for you. And you know what? I feel like I'm better than that. I don't feel like I deserve you're, that. You're always offended. So question. I, question. Oh, I was gonna say just to add to that. I, this I did say going into the year. I think if, for this team to be a because I thought they'd win seven games. For them to do that, I thought Tennessee would need Garantano to win a couple of games for them. I don't know what their best case scenario for their win total is now after what happened at the start of the year. But I still believe. This is the kind of game they do have to have Garantano win it for them. And I would I would say the defensive line is probably more important than the offensive line because they can't let yeah. Florida run the ball. Another question here. Uh, he actually uh, – here's one from uh, Jordan Maiden. Had a couple of good questions. Uh, do you all think uh, every time Emory Jones is on the field, someone will spy him? That's one question one. Question two. I spy him with like three guys. I, I would make sure that you have it. I mean, I, I probably would have a spy. Hold on, do, do we think he's a bigger running threat than than Trask? I thought Trask was a pretty good runner last week. He is, but I think Jones is a better athlete, probably in terms of just pure running. Uh, seriously, though, here's another question: How much PT do y'all think Jeremy Banks gets after showing out last week? Uh, I don't think he gets a ton because I think uh, their best chance to win is with Batuli and Toa Toa in those two spots. Agreed. That's yep. that's where I, I think he'll play though. He'll, he'll definitely play on special teams. Probably go try to kill guys punting, uh, kill guys that are trying to uh, down the punt. And maybe they'll give him the ball in some short yardage situations. Yep. There you go. Some hashtag wild, wrinkles. Some wild banks. Wild Memphis. Uh, question from Loud Proud. Uh, in practice, why do you think they do thud? Why do the guys do those thud drills to where one player jumps and the other thuds him? That guy jumps. Why does he do it? You know, if you see the linebackers do this a lot. Yeah. And I, I think basically it's because you can go back on film and you can still see technique when they're doing that. Uh, because if you do that, but then you finish, um, you know, that would be like a tackle. But they do that because it kind of softens the blow, but they can still see what the technique is for the guy yeah, doing that. Yeah, the technique is wrapping up, running your feet, hat placement, where you, where you, you know, those kind of things. Yes, something that Nigel Warrior needs to do a little bit better because he still tries to obliterate everyone instead of just getting them on the ground. Makes for really good highlights sometimes, uh, but also can occasionally get you burned. Uh, question from Haynes62. Uh, what He does this every week. What is the average age of Florida's offensive line? Someone someone, look this up. Nope. Where did this start? I don't know. We, but, we, probably because we were making jokes about BYU having a bunch of guys that were in their I, lower tw- I, mid-20s. Yeah, I get that. But, uh, I have to look and by that. we, I mean Wes. I'm going to assume Florida's is right around 2021. 20, I think I have the game notes in my bag. I'm going to look that up. We'll get that, we'll get that answer to you but we don't have that one prepared right now. So, sorry. We appreciate the consistency and performance, though, Haynes. You're really, Shout out you're, to you. You're really, you're really stretching us here, guy. Uh, question from CPA Vol. Where does Gainesville rank in terms of the visiting journalist experience, Ooh. and Ooh. does the noon start help or hurt that? Well, um, let's see. In the SEC East, I think there's only two open air press boxes, right? Georgia. Georgia being the other one, which yep. those November games now are going to be interesting. But uh, yeah. Florida, Florida's is open – 
Uh, it's just all I remember is uh, it's always really hot and it's always really loud. Yep. Covering yeah. games there. No, now it's, it's fun to get that experience. No, but no, yeah, I, I I like the uh the trade off of uh, of an open air press box. I do too because it actually feels like you're at the game. It'd be yep. a hell of a lot more fun in November though. True, and, and in some of these other places, Neyland included, I think Kentucky's new press box. Auburn's. You kind of feel like A and M's. You're in a million miles away. Auburn's is you know Auburn's. Is, you you kind of feel like you're in like a spaceship hovering the stadium you feel like you're in the Goodyear blimp covering a game yeah you you don't necessarily get the feel that you're at the game alabama's and georgia's i think have the two best press boxes because they're kind of built in between the two decks so you're not super high and you have a good angle of of, of the field yep. florida's is a little bit in the corner um kind of the okay top. it's not the it's not the auburn corner where you're like literally in the end zone yeah which they uh, did i've still heard that they did that because the ad at the time jay jacobs he was under a lot of pressure from media and a lot of yeah. bad stories so he changed the plans and put them like yeah. in the middle of the end zone. but uh <laughs> yeah is such a great jerk move the uh the post game setup at florida is arguably one of the worst in the league for the visitors, not, there was not, one not, year, not, not Missouri or Vandy bad, but but bad. It's it's in that ballpark. Missouri um, Vandy is like high school. Missouri, yeah, it's terrible. Vanderbilt's is in about as big a room as we're in right now. Which, when you combine yeah. the Knoxville media with the Nashville media, which is great um, size for a radio studio, yeah, and, and you can put a couch in there too, but, so the, but not so much for you know putting a dozens and dozens of reporters in Missouri, to the point that they often just have the player interviews outside in the, in the end zone yeah. yeah missouri is just like in a in a corner mm-hmm. like you the team's packing up they're changing that it's, though they're it's outside so it's cold because tennessee plays yes. there in november yeah why not florida later in the year um, missouri earlier in the year well they're why? changing for at least for one year missouri in early october but, or late september in georgia in november yeah but the florida the florida postgame set up there was one year i think it was the nathan peterman game year where they were redoing some stuff, and we were in like a team meeting room. Yep. Um, I think it was the Peterman game, and it was air conditioned, leather yeah. seats. It was really nice. Yeah. And then ever since then, it's been in like a it's like a storage shed area, um, where there's no airflow whatsoever. You're right outside the locker room. It does get a little stuffy in there. It gets very stuffy in there. Uh, and and this is the nature of Tennessee's last two losses. Everybody's just pissed off. Um, the 2015 game that was right after they lost to Oklahoma. It was like, I mean, these guys were like zombies. The hell, Mar- the hell, Mary game. They were just yeah. shell shocked. Yeah, it was just. I mean, you you just and you know, it's it's hot again. I can't I can't reiterate the heat enough. Which uh, that said, Tennessee's away facilities aren't terrific. For yeah, and that's either. and I think that's become like a major talking point now since like the Texas LSU. Yeah. Was there AC? Was there not AC? All that stuff. Um, I guess that's been a talking point. Is the the status of visiting locker rooms much more than maybe the post game for media yeah nobody cares cares about me nobody cares about that um but yeah we and 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 to get from the press box at florida to that little area you're you're navigating through the concourses it's a little tricky but but uh, but the overall experience i mean i Gainesville as a town is okay. I wouldn't say it's the best SEC it's just town. It's really hot. Yeah, but the game itself, I love covering games there because of what these guys said. You, we, you, we park, you feel like you're at a game. The atmosphere is always great, even though it's a little hot. And I will say that we park a little bit away from the stadium there, and that, yeah. that's a that's a warm. You're you're kind of for those of us who you know sometimes a lot of us we got to do TV stuff after the game too, and you're just like covering the pile Humble of sweat. Yeah. Oh come on, that's part of the job. Humble brag. But when you do that stuff, hey guys, like, I'm on TV. You're like covered in sweat, and it's gross, and you know it's it's not it's not enjoyable 
but the Florida the Odom parking is great. You just like walk. It's like the Tommy Bowl. You just park right up there and you go. That's but awesome. The, but they do, uh, and they do have. And again, I like that it's out outside. You feel like you're at the game. Yep. You get the sense of how loud. Like I'll never forget how loud it was when Antonio Callaway is running down the sideline. That yeah. happened. That happened in the end zone right where we were. Um, and so the end zone uh, for the Hail Mary was the same one. So yep. you get a, you know you get a good view of that if you're up there when that happens. And like when that ball was halfway to the end zone in the air, I said <laughs> that's gonna be caught. Yeah. So, um, and they do have a, a big room where so you don't have to like afterwards you get back up from interviews you can go inside and sit in the air conditioning and watch other games and work. Yeah, that is nice. Um, the uh, well, I actually wait. Doesn't you, you talked about the open air press boxes? Isn't doesn't state have one too? Uh, state may have one of those that is um, state has the like the inside Congo outside it's, it's dual yeah, yeah it's like, like Georgia, it's like Georgia's kind of I was talking about the east well, yeah I'm talking east, about the stadiums we go to every other year yeah just Florida and Georgia in the east that's fair here's a question from uh, Raphael hopefully named after one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, it, and always uh, my my second favorite one behind Donatello for what it's worth if Tennessee is Tennessee a one loss team two loss team or a zero loss team if Bryce Thompson had played in all three games ooh. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to say it maybe three and zero. I really think it's possible. I'll probably say three and zero as well. I mean, I, I hate I, to put it that way, but yeah, I mean, I think they're probably they're at least two and one, and maybe three and zero. You could make the state the case that if Thompson's playing, Alante Taylor isn't on the field to have his bust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or Burrell's I, not, I, I don't know. you know, or you have you can let Burrell come to the bench if he's been getting run by as much as he has. To. I say two and one. I definitely don't say three and zero oh because I don't think he's the reason they lost. I don't think corners the reason they lost any of those games besides the, the Taylor play. The Georgia State game was just, I don't want to say it's an aberration, but it was just yeah. one of those. It was just one of those things where I don't know that one player made a difference. It was just such a from the top to the bottom catastrophe. Yeah. Georgia coming, Georgia State coming out and scoring and, to start the second half just changed and, the game. And I'll, and I'll point this out. Does West, that happen if they can't hit passes because he's out there? Yeah. Know. And I'll point this out, Wes, because you keep you keep coming at Burrell. Jeremy Pruitt said he's been one of their better players on defense last week. So he And he knows more than I do about that, but, but I Jeremy, wonder if they're just trying to make him confident yeah. because he's getting burned pretty bad. I was going to say, one thing you're seeing this year that you didn't see last year, I thought Jeremy Pruitt was blunt almost to a fault last year at times. You're seeing him stand up for his players more this year, and that's probably the smarter way to approach and it. And he knows Burrell's a talented kid. They're going to they're gonna use a lot. But, he, but he's done it with Garantano, and he's done it with, I think, Warren Burrell to an extent. But he wasn't the guy that got replaced last week. That's yeah. true. That's very true. Very true. Uh, another question uh, from Rafael, kind of along the same the same lines there. If uh, Emmett Good and Daniel Batuli and Bryce Thompson were all available from day one, oh, three, would, no. would, no, no, would, Tennessee, <laughs> would Tennessee be favored to win this game? Uh, no, no. No. They were they were a seventeen point underdog in the summer when this first opened on yeah. some of these those Vegas sportsbook lines. So I no, I don't think they would be, but it I think probably closer. Florida slow start to the season and Trask. I think it would be a single digit line if yeah. all three of those guys had been able to play the whole time. But and even at three and zero, Tennessee. I mean, people wouldn't have thought much of the BYU win probably because BYU probably loses to USC. Honestly, if Tennessee beats them, uh, who knows how that changed BYU's season? So I don't think I don't think Tennessee would look very impressive even at three and zero. So you can't assume well, that. Though. Two things. One. Two things. One, that's an interesting question. But two, if my aunt had an Adam's apple, she'd be my uncle. You can't. I mean, you can't. It is what it is. Those guys got hurt, and they are what they are. Uh, here's a question from – ooh, here, here, here's a good one, Pat, from True Achilles. How do you feel about that? It's Achilles. I say however I want to say Not it. Not Achilles. Are, are you, like, now the governor of words that have come out of my mouth? Yes, when you apparently? say them wrong. Well, you <laughs> What's the question? Saying, you, I, I don't even care now. I don't even care now. I'm just offended. What's the question? Uh, he goes, I was in attendance for both the Georgia State and BYU games. Looked like a completely different team that the Vols put on the field. From last year until now, how much greater is the player development from, say, the coach, formerly known as Lyle, 
who are the who are players that have developed the most from last year to this year? Love the podcast, GBO and Go Braves. Well, thank, yes, Go Braves. Yes, um, I can't I can't say that enough. <laughs> I can hear it too much though. Uh, it's just, um, who have they developed? Uh, is he talk, so he's talking about like Butch's players, the holdover? How players. much? Is, how much are they developing? Maybe players just any compared, player from, compared to the compared to the Butch years. Maybe just any player who was here last year. I think he's asking. I mean, who's, they're they're taking guys like Theo Jackson and, and Sean Schamberger and starting them, and you know, Latrell Bumpus is making some plays. He's doing more. He's done yeah. more in three games on on the defensive line than he's did in two years on tight end, at tight end. Bumpus is a good example, I think. Um, you know, they need more from those guys on the defensive front, but you know, two sacks in that game. Um, you know, certainly he made an impact there. Uh, Kieran Calvert on the offensive Cal- line. Calvert's a guy that they they really liked him from the start. Like since they got here, they thought he yep. could be a really good player. Um, they made Austin Pope a pretty good blocking tight end. Yeah, Pope has really kind of become a kind of does the dirty work. Doesn't get a lot of pub for it. And this staff has bulked him up too a little bit. That the previous staff didn't really care to. This staff has yeah. wanted him to be bigger, and that's helped him. Yeah, um, certainly a guy that was. I mean, he was playing receiver at CAK, wasn't he? Yeah, and so oh, essentially. Uh, you know, Batuli is a guy that, that, that Pruitt talked up quite a bit earlier this week saying that, you know, you invest two years of, of you know, basically since they got here about making him sort of the, the guy in the middle. Yeah, the, he was a good player when they got here, but they've made him a smarter player, yeah, and he's and really good at lining up the defense. And, and that's Yeah, and that's not to say he's turned the corner and is, you know, an all-world player, but he's right. a guy that they've been grooming him to sort of be uh, what they had at Alabama in terms of, you know, kind of being the extension of the staff and, and so, and hey, Greg um, Emerson, and, and, I'll give him a shout out too. I yeah. mean, that's a guy that was just, I think, probably coming off a bad injury last year, and a lot that, of people that affected him. him. Off. Yeah, we, we weren't sure what to expect of him going into camp, and then he's he's become a starter for this team. So, should we throw Tyler Bird on there too? Uh it's it, he's he's so frustrating because you watch him practice. Like the other day, he made uh, they were running routes, and there was a pass that he very easily could have caught with two hands, but he just stu- and he's a right-handed kid, just sticks out his left hand, one hand brings the ball in, and just kind of cradles it and keeps running really fast. And you're like, why are you not yeah, – well, where is this, man? Yeah, but, I mean, you just – for a guy like that, I, th- I think it's good that he, you know, there was so much, oh, he's a bust, and, you know, is he, when's he going to transfer, all this stuff with both him and Phil's – Wasting uh, a scholarship. All that stuff. And he's, you know, he's had a better attitude about it than some of the people that have probably criticized him. Yes, and he's said, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna play on special teams. I'm gonna be on every." He and Phil's and me, both um, those kids have been kind of high class, high character kids the and, whole time. And, and I remember tell, tell, talking to you about this, Wes, after the Chattanooga game, is looking at some of what some of these guys in the NFL are doing. Uh, guys like Jalen Reeves, maybe and Emmanuel Mosley, they'll play more, ga- they'll play more snaps on special teams than than on on defense, and you know they'll get twenty five snaps on special teams some games. And that's yeah. a great way to make an impact, and and so he's a guy yeah. that's that's doing that, even though he's not. Catch a bunch of passes or playing defensive back. Now this guy, he he did ask True Achilles. Uh, did ask, who are the two players that have developed the most from last year to this year? I'm going to say maybe, uh, maybe to this point, Bumpus and Calbert, um, and then um, maybe you might say Flowers by the end of the season. Yeah, I could see that. But I was, I was just going to say though, I would, I, I, I would maybe Kevon Bennett a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But that's he's a, he's about to get kind of supplanted by. Crouch and Roman Harris. So, so he, Bennett, he, he and DeAndre Johnson, the clock is ticking, bros. Yeah. But you need to produce now or you're not going to play. Very true. Bennett's a good example of what I was going to say. You know, I think it's still early in the player development thing to say, you know, that this staff is conclusively better at that. I think they are, but we'll see over time. Um, but I think the biggest thing this staff is doing better than the previous staff in some ways is maximizing its talent and putting it in the best positions because 
You're, I mean, you've seen them move around guys to, to their best spots and, and, and get their best players on the field. Um, you know, the old staff recruited Elante Taylor as a wide receiver. This staff tried him as a wide receiver and quickly said, you know what? We need you in the secondary. You can help us there. And they got him there. And who knows if the old staff would have done that. They've moved around guys like Jeremy Banks, obviously Latrell Bumpus to the defensive line. So they're getting their best players on the field one way or another. And I think that's kind of helped them maximize the talent they do have. And this staff, I think you got to give them a lot of credit for that and, and kind of seeing where players fit in best. Yep, not afraid to try new things. And I like that about them. We got a few more we're going to get to here. Uh, JP Vols 18, does Tennessee's defensive line play well enough to give Florida's young O-line some problems? I think this is a matchup Tennessee needs to win to have a chance. I think they can at least force them to a stalemate because they're, Tennessee's defensive line and Florida's offensive line are both struggling uh, to, to be weak, blunt. It's weakness so, on weakness. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, so you don't know what's going to happen. The, the uh, irresistible force, the immovable object. Well, except it's the opposite of those things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like what happens when – yeah, the opposite of that happens. I, I think they have a chance there. I'll say this. I think I think it's a concern. I think it's a legitimate concern. And this is when I saw the Georgia State and BYU games, I said this is the thing that makes you think if this if this season was to go downhill for Tennessee, I think this is going to be the the reason it does as much as anything because they looked like a defensive line that might be capable of being pushed around by some SEC teams. And Florida's probably not the team that's going to do that best, but they're still talented enough that you worry about it a little bit in this game. So I, I think Tennessee can stop the run. But I just wonder if it's going to take putting seven, eight guys in the box all day to, to stop the run because that defensive line is just okay. Question. Here's a good basketball question from Gaffney VFL 89. So if Jaden Springer does commit to Tennessee, which, by the way, more and more people are starting to think it absolutely will happen. If Jaden Springer does commit to Tennessee, will 2020 be the best signing class in program history? This I'll is all you. Because we're, we're not the basketball guys. I'm going to say that it probably won't be the top one, but it can be the second one because it's really going to be hard to top the, you know, Ernie Bernie era. <laughs> that's that's – that that's that's going to be hard. At the time, based on rankings, wasn't one of Bruce Pearl's classes really high too? Yeah, Ramar Smith, Duke yeah. Cruz, all those guys. Yeah, that was that was. No, they they probably you could argue they didn't live up to those rankings in a lot of ways, but they they had some really highly ranked guys in that class. They did, but Cruz was never maybe a great NBA prospect because of his size. Yeah, um, you know, so so there was some. And whatever class Scotty Hobson was in, I don't remember who else was in that one, but he but was the, a big but this time one but this prospect. one would be you know like three top. 30s basically that's mm -hmm. i don't know that they they've ever done that i mean but you could probably say the the ernie and bernie stuff is is up there uh next question a couple from poly rules uh i was hoping to see more from jared garantano in the utc game to show how they have confidence in his ability to make reads and throws uh, does the fact that he only threw eight passes suggest they don't have that kind of confidence in him i think they wanted to get him some reps get his confidence up and then get him the hell out of the game yes. when he felt good exactly. and i think they did that exactly what i was going to say they wanted to get those backup quarterbacks some work and that was you know in addition to getting garantano's confidence up and getting the score pretty one-sided they wanted to to get those guys some work another question probably rules y'all's preference potato chips or corn chips oh uh corn chips because you can put them in Cheese dip, tortilla, tortilla chips. I was gonna say if tortilla Dorito, Doritos on their own are better than any other chip ever made. Tor tortilla chips, if we're saying if we're lumping those in with just corn chips, mm -hmm. but if you're talking like Fritos, uh, give me potato chips. The the best dipping chip by far is the Tostitos uh, black bean and garlic potato chip. No nope, tortilla wrong, chips. Wrong no, now. have you tried them? Have you tried them? Santitas, two dollars. Those are good. To Get on my level. If you, if you see the tortilla, the 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 Tostitos. Black and they don't. They don't. Uh, as far as I know, they don't. They don't give us any money for the show. But I'm telling you that their black bean and garlic chips are great. Unless we have a sponsor that also makes tortilla chips, in which case say. theirs is the best that's ever been made. Uh, Polly rules. Another question. A couple more from him, and then we got one from from the social media machine. Uh, had Lane Kiffin stayed at Tennessee after year one, 
what do you think would have happened to Tennessee football? They would be in a better place than they are right now. Probably. Natties. One of the ultimate. One of one of the know. ultimate what ifs, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think that staff would have made some noise. They would have probably gotten in a little bit of trouble, but Tennessee would have been able to skirt around it a little bit, uh, and they would have um, not had the decade that they've had recently. They would not have had all the attrition that followed. That's one of the underrated things that happened as a result of all that coaching change for a couple of years. They had some guys that were signed and, and there for a year and then left um, because the, the guys that took over didn't like them as much or they didn't feel as comfortable with the, that staff. So that would have helped, and that would have kept them a little, little more on track. I'm – I'm not fully convinced they would have won big the way a lot of people were, but they would have at least been solid. I think they would have had, you know, at least an eight or nine win season and done okay before, yeah, maybe some inevitable trouble found them. Uh, To another one here from uh, Polly Rules, his last one. What's your go-to restaurant in Knoxville? Uh, There's a few for me, but um, the one we probably end up at more often that's among our favorites is probably Hard Knocks. Love the pizza. Why do you have to get the same one? That, why Why would you do that to me, Ryan? Why? I'm, I'm why? sorry. Why? Because it's good? That was my answer. Uh, uh, my, my wife and I frequent Smoky Mountain Brewery. That's where we had our first date, sort of by accident, because um, we were going to go somewhere else, but the wait was too long. Because she thought she was going to go out on a date with a handsome guy? <laughs> right. No. Um, and uh, great wings. I'm very picky about wings, uh, and that's pretty much the only place I'll get them. I like all drums. beer is really good, too. All drums, extra crispy. Pretty pretty big fan of that. I will say my favorite place in Knoxville, we just don't get to go there as often because it's a tough place to get in sometimes, is still probably Stock and Barrel. If you're, if you're downtown yes. for a game, it is worth the wait if you can deal with Agreed. it. Agreed. And any breakfast all-day place is always high on my list because yeah. I am... Waffle a, House. I'm a, I'm a breakfast-eating machine. Also, Stock and Barrel now in Nashville, if you're a Middle Tennessee listener. It's definitely not as good in Nashville. <laughs> The hate, the hate is strong. The hate is strong. Here's a, a good question. Uh, we had a couple from um, from the social media machine that we need to get to because I'm not going to throw it out there and then ignore them. Uh, I think we had one from uh, actually uh, uh, someone who's known throughout Tennessee media circles. I think the the feels like '98 fella yeah. had a question about. Let me see. Make sure I've got it absolutely accurate. Have you ever seen anything like the past 15 years occur to another tradition laden program? I so. I mean, when you, when you say 15, are, 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 yeah, we're saying 15. Are we saying you're going back to 2005, which I guess I, I think you get the gist of his question yeah. for basically the past decade and change. Because I was going to say we've seen some similar downturns at other programs for about 10 or 12 years. And that's where I think Tennessee is right now. I don't I don't really lump in 2005 to 07 as much because they bounced back from that one bad year and 06 and 07. They were pretty good and played for another SEC title. So I consider this 08 on. And that's you're at year 12 now. So, I mean, that's comparable to what's happened at places like Nebraska you know, USC, I don't know how long theirs was, but you've had some other programs that have taken turns like this for at least a decade or so. So I don't think Tennessee's quite into that range yet, but it's getting pretty close. So, so if, they don't, me, if they don't get out of this soon, yeah, you'll be saying this is about as long as any tradition-rich program has had. Yeah, because I don't put SMU in that mold. I mean, but they, they did. I mean, you talk about a program just getting shellacked. I well, mean, they died. Yeah, that, they it, were killed. It had, that to was go, literally... had, had to go away for two years. Yeah. That hurt. But the only one I can come up with, because, you know, Alabama's uh, mediocre decade, they still won the West. They still played in a couple big bowl games. It wasn't nearly that bad. Oklahoma never had it quite that bad for this long. What about USC, like late 90s? Yeah. USC went through some rough years, but not for this long a period. Yeah. There's only one that I can find that has been through anything like this for a sustained period, and that is the LSU Fighting Tigers. LSU, uh, when you look at basically... 
all of that whole kind of Mike Archer, Curly Hallman, Jerry Donardo era. Basically, everything until Saban got there at the turn of the century uh, was bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you uh, LSU in the 1990s. So actually, we'll start with 89, 89 through the 90s. Four and seven, five and six, five and six, two and nine, five and six, four and seven, seven and four, ten and two, nine and three, four and seven, three and eight. That's horrendous. That's, that's basically what Tennessee. That that's worse than what Tennessee's been for the past. That's what four years of four wins or fewer. Yeah, that's bad. That's, that's bad, rough. bad, bad. So and Tennessee and, hasn't even had that. They've had one four win season as bad as it's gotten. So then we can see clearly what you have to do to turn that around. Just go hire Nick Saban. <laughs> Right? I mean, there you go. I mean, that's – and I'm sure if we went and looked, we could find some others. But people say Oklahoma, Alabama, uh, Nebraska, they, they've had some rough, lean years, but but nothing for this long. Um, but LSU certainly has. That would be that would be the, the one uh, that, that I would go with. You know what, though? A lot of those situations, that's the way you get out of it. you got to just hire the right coach. I mean, it, it, does, it doesn't happen gradually, but it doesn't happen overnight either. But a, but hiring the right coach will make it happen really fast sometimes. Did, did Nick Saban lose to UAB early on in his LSU tenure? Uh, I don't remember that far back. It sounds. I think they lost to UAB. They had they a beat, bad. And they loss. beat Tennessee the next week in yeah. that overtime game. Yep, down there. Yep. yep. So, yep. so 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 two thousand maybe that the, wasn't a great the, Tennessee the, Ro, team, the Rohan Davy experience. It was that one was just a little bit less bad than the Matt Mock experience. Yeah, or yeah, that's that's probably it was, yeah. It was two thousand. I think that was before Clawson. Yeah, case Clawson started. Uh, yeah, a couple more good ones, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Colin Bishop, uh, who is O Z E Y I T H on Twitter, said uh, Tim Jordan should get the ball more. What do you think? I'm going to say no because I think he did have the most yards per carry last week. I think he does have a role on this team. Depends on the game, but I think Chandler and uh, Gray are probably more likely to give you more big plays. Yes, Chandler and Gray are more explosive. Uh, Jordan, some games he look. People ask why is he playing as much as he is. Other games they say he should get the ball more. He's one of those guys that depends on the matchup because he's not the fastest guy, but he's also not the most powerful. Well, so he gives you something a little different from those guys, but he's not special in some matchups yeah, if, 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 if they're not going to go with like a you know a jeremy banks on the goal line or like a Jawan jennings wildcat or something mm-hmm. i think jordan probably gives them the best chance to just put a foot in the ground and go and give you a couple yards in those situations uh, that's just a guess here's a good one to end on though from a p i'm not even going to try to pronounce this p-a-k-g-k-a-p would byu beat kentucky or miami on a neutral site absolutely it would i think uh i haven't watched enough of miami to know yeah I don't. I was not overly. Uh, I was not overwhelmed by their showing against the Gators. Yeah. Pretty sloppy, but that was also a game played on August twenty fourth. I think. I think Miami and Kentucky are kind of comparable. I think they're borderline bold teams probably this year. So I, BYU's right there with them. I think. I don't know how much. I don't know how good BYU is though. At the same time, K- Kentucky plays Mississippi State on Saturday. That's a mm-hmm. interesting game between a couple teams. Tennessee could beat. Right. If they played well, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sold on Mississippi State. Not sold on Joe Moorhead. I don't think he's that great of a coach. I will say, I'm. I, he's got a tough act to follow, though. Yeah, look, that tough act to follow gave left him a pretty daggum good football team. Oh yep. yeah, the, the, their defense was maybe the most talented in the league last year. Yeah, they what four first round. Yeah, I mean four, three first round picks. I say, that's the problem. They had some kind of generational talents I, that are just. I, I still wonder and though. And one of the best dual threat running passing quarterbacks yeah, I, in the SEC. That, I that still would like to know. And they won eight games. I would yep. like to know what how his career would have turned out if he hadn't had that nasty injury because he was not quite the same runner when he came back. And I think that's – it's kind of – I mean, th- those things happen. It's a barbaric game. People get hurt. But I, I, I think that, that well, I would have liked to have seen what if he hadn't gotten hurt, what would have happened. <laughs> I remember – what was it last year we were talking to Pruitt and he was talking about teams that run the quarterback every play, get them hurt. Yeah. <laughs> talking about that game. Talk, I think it was about – 
uh, around when they played Auburn because Mississippi State beat Auburn. Sounds very much like an NFL thing to say. I was going to say, kind of related to the Kentucky talk, but I mean, all these injuries in the SEC at SEC East, especially at quarterback, are you look at Tennessee's schedule now and you see you see more opportunities than I think you did at the start of the season. And, and, and we need to mention this too. Kudos to, to Vander, Vanderbilt's not very good either. Uh, kudos, yeah. kudos to Garantano for showing some class there, and and because he, he usually goes off social media during the season, but he came back to make that post about friends because he because they are friends, friends yeah. and. You know, there there are certain things about playing quarterback in the SEC level that unless you have also done that exact same thing at that age, you cannot understand the pressure that's on them. So that's why those guys have a fraternity. Basically, that's why those guys are are that close well, because they, they, to, they they're, they're just, other people just don't understand what they have to go through at that age. And they get to know each other at events like the Elite Eleven in high school and at the Manning Passing Academy, things like that. So that that helps too. They get to spend some time together in the off season, and, and quarterbacks kind of. That they they run in the same circles with trainers and things like that in high school and, and even in college sometimes during the off season. So I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks for the questions as always this week, guys. We we, we really appreciate that. And we try to do that on every Thursday morning. And we'll try to keep uh, doing that. And by the way, you know, we only had one hoops question today, but if you have more of those, throw them out there. You know, we're going to have more hoops talk, obviously, during the season, but some big things going on in the recruiting show with those guys, and, and they got a good thing going in that program right now. So plenty to talk about there. Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, who gives 33% effort at everything, is just on Twitter at twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. You can find all of us. If you don't want our personal stuff, you just want all Tennessee news all the time, you can go to twitter.com slash govals 24-7, or you can go to the one thing Grant Ramey does do well in this world, facebook.com slash govals 24-7, where you can get plenty of good stuff there. Or if you want to drink your water straight from the hose, you want to get all of it at once right now, govals247.com. It's this podcast in written form and much more extensive, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can get right now a 30% off deal. If you do an annual subscription, you should do that, and you should check us out there. We are the best. I'll say this again. There is no place on all of Al Gore's internets where you will find as much Tennessee coverage every day of every year as you will find on GoBoss247.com. Look at the numbers. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. We cover that program like nobody else does. A lot of people cover it well. We cover it better. Just my personal opinion, guys. Pat, any final thoughts? Nope.